Welcome to the Tech Sales Show, where we are dedicated to making you a better tech seller, sharing tried and true sales strategies and answering your questions weekly. What's up, Brian? Hey, hey, Bobby. Here we are. We're in our 23rd series. Uh, we've done a lot of podcasting over the last couple of years. And as we mentioned last week, when we wrapped up talking about the, the listeners' questions, I kind of teased this a little bit about it's all about creating opportunity. About, oh, golly, seven years ago uh, or so, I, w- I just started working for EMC. We went up to, to CDW to do a partner day up there and do some calling and try to get some shared wins or shared prospects going. And they had a poster that I'll never forget. And I've talked about it a bunch, but the poster in their area said compete, uh, sorry, it said it create, compete and win. And that's what we were there to do, right? We were up there to create opportunities. Um, but I also felt like we were there to find opportunities, right? And lately, uh, as I've been coaching reps and trying to take students from zero knowledge to a tech sales career, I, I continuously feel like people are finding, trying to find opportunity. Uh, more of a of a guy walking down a beach with a metal detector, trying to find a ring that was lost, instead of doing their geology work and finding where that vein of gold might be in the hills. Does that does that resonate or make sense, Brian? It does. Like one way I think of this, and I even made a made a uh, PowerPoint slide on this one time when I was doing some training in London, is uh, is like layers of a cake. Like the icing on the cake is the customer that calls you proactively that's heard of your wares and thinks you're the greatest thing since sliced bread. And we'll all take those. Those are far and few between these days in this in this environment. But then like the layers and the depth of the cake um, become more complex and and more challenging. And um, I, I tend to look at it that way. Well, and, and honestly, the bottom of that cake, wherever, however deep inside of all of that cake mix it is, um, isn't that the greatest deal? The one we all want to win, the one we create, the one we mature, the one we grow, the one that gets bigger and bigger, the one where there's shared value on every side of the, 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 the cake itself, and we close a big profitable deal? It is, and I, it, it's certainly the most rewarding. The challenge is it requires um, some sophistication too, doesn't it? No, oh, it does. So I think I think if you think about the poster that I saw that was create, compete, and win, again, an internal campaign for big reseller, they were trying to set a mindset for their, their people internally to, to think about creating opportunity. And that's what this week's about. That's what next week's about. We're going to share some ideas and some thoughts uh, but we hope that you, you think about creating more than you think about finding. And the flip side of that, what I think happens, and we would we all love the, the bluebird or the easy win, right? No question. But a lot of times I think I hear people in sales talk about competing. Oh, my God, my customer is looking at a competitive solution. Um, they're giving me a shot to bid against it. Please give me a quote. Hey, manager, how low can I go on this deal? They they start with a comp. They start with compete. Forget the create part. They're starting with the competing part, and they're hoping to win, right? So they go from compete to hoping to win, and they they're they're hoping that they discounted it enough. They're hoping that the competition doesn't have sexy new stuff enough. Whatever that might be, 
And then when if they do win those deals, and we've all I've I've seen it as a manager, Brian. I'm sure you've seen it as well. When they win that deal in their next QBR, they're talking about all the things they did to create that opportunity, right? So it's completely backwards. It's compete, win, create instead of com- create, compete, win. So we want to start off this week talking about a creation mindset. Uh, if you are a rep or a inside team member or a sales engineer, forget the fine for just a minute, whatever day of the week you're listening to this podcast, and think about some things that you can do to create opportunity. I, I think finding is more susceptible or the desire to find is a little bit more susceptible to relationship reps. We, we talk about challenger sale a lot. We're going to talk about it a lot over the next few few weeks here, but relationship reps kind of keep doing the relationship thing, Brian, until the customer feels like it's their turn to give them something. Does that make sense? It does. And I guess, um, but I don't want to back up too far, but can you maybe expound a bit more on create? Like when you say to create, um, create opportunity, give, maybe share some examples of what that means. Cause I think it probably means a lot of different things to a lot of different people. Yeah. So if you're a rep, um, and you're working for a company that sells software, we'll talk about data center management software. Um, so you, you sell a suite of solutions that manage the data center and you're, you've got 20 prospects and you have out of those 20 prospects, you have two buying accounts. So your boss or your company has been nice enough to give you two buying accounts. They, they buy your flagship product. So they buy your core solution that manages the data center. And you have 18 prospects that don't buy your stuff, but they do all have data centers, right? So we know they all have data centers. They're customers that your boss has given you. Now, there's the inevitably, out of those 18 customers, two that have been acquired, and they're not really in your territory anymore, and everybody, you got quota on it, but no one can clean up that quota. Forget those. Let's just say eight of them are like that. They're bad accounts. They should be on your list. Ten of them are on your account list. They have a data center, and they don't buy your stuff. And you don't know anybody in those accounts. Maybe your friends know people. But how do you go and create opportunity in those 10 accounts? Mm-hmm. That, that's what I'm talking about. Like, Not like are they going to call us and give us a chance to respond to an RFP. Sure. I don't look at the web and see if they're, they're sending out an RFP. It's the hard work of building relationships, chinking away, working with partners to get a conversation about what they are doing, learn why they're doing what they're doing, not – create a not start to compete don't go in there and create a, not don't go in there and compete to win something go in there to just listen understand why they're using your competitor's product where they grew up into that and and slowly but surely and maybe fastly but surely create opportunity create a reason why they should hear your story create a reason why they should go to a briefing create a reason why they should sit down and meet your systems engineer that used to work for the competitor that they're using today but came to work for you don't try to hard sell don't try to hard find and don't try to just compete when renewals come up use this journey in both your prospects and the customers that are buying from you to think through work with a team and create opportunities yeah, and it takes um, you know the a traditional to go back to your point a traditional relationship rep struggles with this right because their default mo is to uh, look for the low hanging fruits it's to um, look for the customers that you know there are, now there are all these RFP softwares out there that can 
that you can instantly find a company that may be in an ERP evaluation. Um, but those are, you know, many times the worst deals to get involved with, right? Like these are companies that are commoditizing the service you're um, you're looking to, to be a part of versus a scenario to where you're meeting with them face-to-face, doing real kind of solution selling and, and understanding what their challenges are and, and coming out with a list of things that you can help solve for them that they may not have competitors in. Yeah, and I think that that you know, if it's the RFP response, then you're starting at compete, right? All you're doing mm-hmm. is competing, and the person who ever created that RFP with the customer is so far out in front of you, you're really competing from way, way, way behind. So, good to pull me back there and kind of explain that to the listeners. But if the if the mindset traditionally, or maybe just because of technology and where we've come from, is about finding the opportunities. That's the low-hanging fruit. I'm all in. Find it. I mean, if you can find it, find it. Above average reps do get the low-hanging fruit. They find it. Um, they are aware of it, and, and they close it. Now what do they do beyond that? What are they doing beyond that? And I do think that that's where they do find they do find those deals, but then they create more deals. So in that example we just used, I'm a data center management tools person of some sort, and I have two buying customers. If they have my core flagship product, how many other products do you think are in my quiver, right? Like mm-hmm. another 20 or 30. And it's not easy for them to know all those products, and they don't just want to add them on, right? The team's going to have to slowly chink away at that customer and introduce those products, demo, sell, create, 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 work with partners, and build a plan by which they can add those things on or get value from those things. They're not just going to buy them because you sell them. They're not just going to buy them because your company acquired something and bolted it onto their core product. You have to do that with with growth and a create mindset, I guess is my point there. Um, and to even get there, you have to you have to earn some credibility and I, the easiest way I've found to do this is to, is to understand their business. And while that seems very obvious, I don't mean just how they make money. Well, that's, I've seen many sellers not understand how a company makes money, which is the most basic, but understanding what their goals are beyond just the things they call out on their website. You can, in, in 15 minutes time, you can find out what's most important to a company through something like an annual report. Um, and that's just learning about the very basics of of who they are and what they're looking to achieve, whether it's growth or consolidation or acquisitions or organic growth. Those types of things like are just the building blocks of why they would buy a data center solution, why they would buy a new ERP software. Um, because if you don't understand that, then then looking to teach them or help them understand where your system can add value based off what you learned in that meeting is going to be useless. An example that I've shared, and I've shared it this this past week while I was uh, doing some coaching with people. I mean, when I first went to the enterprise team at, at EMC, uh, we had just been merged, acquired, bought with Dell, whatever you want to call that. And we were working with a customer that had literally Dell everything and EMC everything. And it was my account. But they were... They were the, the account that didn't spend a lot of money. They, they sweated their assets forever and ever and ever. And everyone said, there's no way you can sell them anything else. They don't buy. They don't spend any money. Don't waste your time on it. And I did what I do. I 
set up the recurring meeting. I met all their VPs. I met all their directors. I had a quarterly with the CIO. And we just kept listening and kept mm-hmm. fixing problems and listening. And then I became their large account reseller with Microsoft. And the, the a year went by and we sold a minuscule amount of things. And I, I became their reseller for Citrix. And we started talking about other solutions. And they wanted to sweat their server and storage assets more. And they did not want to hear anything about hyperconverged computing. And if you, you don't know these words make sense, just know it's a data center in a box and Dell sold one and they weren't interested in hearing about it. So I just started talking about, okay, you want to sweat all your assets. We sell some software that we could kind of tie all those old assets together and they could work in one big farm of compute and storage and it'll look like a virtual storage array and that's what you can use for your development environment and maybe save you half a million dollars on storage Uh they loved it. They wanted to see demos of it. We installed it. They started growing. And they, they loved it so much. But then they started thinking, well, we want to put business-critical stuff on this. Like, this is really valuable that we can take all these assets and put business-critical stuff on it. And it was easy to say, well, are you really going to put business-critical stuff on that's no longer supported? Like, you don't carry support contracts on these old assets. Would you put business-critical stuff on it? And they say, no, I guess not. We wouldn't do that. What's something that looks like this that – we could use in our data center. And it just so happens to be it was the hyperconverged stuff, right? It was mm-hmm. it was three months of working and showing them something that they weren't asking for, that we kept building and growing for them with a software solution that, that showed them the value and true easy button for a data center in a box with hyperconverged. And we then ended up in Austin with all their leadership team. We created a millions of dollars worth of budget it was a multi-year thing. It wasn't like we just closed this massive deal, but their whole team, CIO down, was we're, we're hyper-converged through and through, moving forward, and we're going to use a Dell EMC solution to do that. And no one saw any opportunity in that account, right? So mm-hmm. that's creating opportunity. That's like just working and showing and putting the elbow grease in to build pipeline. And of course... Um, I hope that rep's still reaping the benefits sure. of those early stages, but they've not bought all they were going to buy. And I know they bought, started buying some of it. And then other solutions, they, then what happens? Okay, Bobby, we know we told you for three months we didn't want to hear about hyperconverged and you showed us the light. What other stuff you got for me? Like now I've earned the right to also talk about the other thing. So if you're, you got 18 prospects, eight that are bad, 10 that you that have data centers, it's not going to happen overnight, but if you earn the right to talk about other stuff, that's that's where we all want to be because now they're listening, right? And yeah. the, the second point of this episode is customers know what they're struggling with, but they're not telling any of us, right? They're, they're not, there's not, it was easier in 2005 to tell a customer what, it, what keeps you up at night and they would just tell you everything that was bothering them. Today, not so easy, um, but we have a pretty good idea. We have a pretty good idea of that software is a problem, the cloud's on everyone's mind, doing more with less will always be what companies are trying to do. And so it shouldn't be too hard to put together a story, a challenger sales story, where we can provide a customer insights and gain, make some assumptions, be bold like we always say, but get a customer to agree that they are experiencing some of the things that we know they probably are experiencing. Yeah. And, it, and that takes, and that, again, that takes research. Um, that takes patience. I think what's hard, I think what compounds this issue is that this industry is full of one time, like one year account holdings. Um, 
and it's hard to be patient when you may not have an account in 12 months. Um, but it, real quick though, I'm going to interrupt yeah. you on that though. The, the thing that's made, and I'm not in the game every day anymore, but I've, I've been in four big companies and I've been each of them were about five years. Account lists change. I manage those accounts at different companies. I think what, what really sets my history apart is that I can call any of those customers tomorrow if I get a new job and they will say, come meet with us. We want to hear what you got to say. We, we want to hear what you have to say. Because they know it wasn't about me hitting a home run, making a big commission check, and leaving them high and dry. Right? So I totally agree. if you're young, stick with the belief that it's going to come back to pay dividends over and over whether or not you close the big one in the first year. Yeah, I've had one customer that has bought from me from three different companies that I've worked for, the same person. And, and only small transactions, just small transactions. <laughs> well, one of them funded part of the kid's college. Uh, yeah, there you go. Um, now, the other two were, were smaller in size. But um, and but they was, grew, no doubt. I bet they grew, Yeah, True? they grew. Yeah, for sure. And I, I think it, I think the I, – yeah, I guess the point I was going to make is while you may only have an account for one year, which does lead to this kind of burn-the-territory mentality, is if you can get into a habit of approaching prospects this way – you come off as far more professional and less desperate, which leads them to be more likely to want to engage and work with you because you're not this burn the territory kind of account exec. Completely agree. So we talked a little bit about the creation mindset. We talked a little bit about customers know their pain, but they're not going to share them with you. So you got to go in, really be prepared, do that research. You have to know everywhere you're connected in the account. You have to have conversations with everyone in and around the account. Once you get to that meeting, you can't do what every other rep's doing. And I, I, I was coaching a rep, I guess it was last week, and I asked them what they would like. If I get you a meeting, you, you want my help getting you a meeting. Let's assume I get you a meeting, and I get you a meeting with the person that can actually make the decision to buy your stuff. What are you going to talk to them about? And the story went similar to this, and it's not exactly word for word, but it was I want to know if they've heard of us. I want to know if they know what we do and what they think. If they, if they think their business would gain value from my stuff, I'm like, what? Like, I'm not going to set that meeting up. I'm not going to introduce you to that person. Like, we have to do better than that. What's the reason? Give me the one reason, without a shadow of a doubt, that they should buy your stuff instead of the competitors. And they, they, other than what I think they wanted to say was because I'll get paid on it. They really couldn't come up with one. And it's it, we talk about a lot of past episodes, but you got to know your sales story, people. And if you know your sales story, be ready to to talk about that. But it's got to be about the customer, not about you, not about your product, not about your wares, not about what you're doing. And you have to you have to hear what they're going to gain benefit from. Uh, often, I go ahead. I was I was just gonna say I think what I think what people are afraid of many times is that. Well, they take a shotgun approach and they, they want to hit as many accounts as they can hit with hope of hitting that getting that icing off the cake. Oh my gosh, this prospect has like it's a perfect fit with effectively zero preparation. And I think what what the one of the biggest obstacles of an average AE turning into a great AE is that what they don't realize is that they spent just twenty minutes prepping for a meeting. And we did a whole series on this, but if you spend just 20 minutes prepping and getting educated on that customer and their business and, and being a real sales professional, that your batting average 
would double or triple uh, because it is shifting to that more of that creation mindset versus that spray and pray and then hope that you that Bobby allows you to go visit you know that customer and says yes and who cares you know if there's no deal I'll just move on I'll end the meeting early if I have to um, but if there was just a bit more time invested I think people would recognize the batting average increases so much bigger no doubt at all um, to that same point I do think we we want to have a creation mindset and we talk about prospecting a lot. It's, it's the key thing that salespeople need to be doing and it's hard and it sucks more often than it's great, but you can't forget your customers. Um, everywhere I've ever worked, there was some theme around customers being frustrated because they sold an agreement. It was a three year agreement and I, I saw them in the 35th month when it was time to renew. Right. I, I'm not a huge fan of trying to manage the project and working with the account on everything that they're doing as it relates to your technology because your job as a rep is to keep finding more and creating more opportunity. The The team that you delivered or the partner should be doing all of that work on the existing stuff, but you need to check in. You need to have validation points that the, what you said would come true came true and that they are a happy customer. We all know that we have beat incumbents and we are the incumbent some places, right? We have to be better than those incumbents we beat uh, because if we're not, we're just going to be the next incumbent that gets beat. There's no, no, no question about that. No doubt. So if we create an opportunity and we work with our customers and we provide those insights and we uh, are able to get them to agree to some pains, I think that's when we have the right to actually compete. And so we, we, we should be at the table enough to, at this point, understand and know when does their next renewal come up when is their when does that cycle give me a shot to really compete um so you might have to think about this and be part of your meeting preparation that um i'm not just going to be uh i guess inquisitive and say so when does your current solution expire you know you, but you have to have that in your in your back of your mind to be thinking about with somebody to understand. And once you understand that you have a shot to compete at it. And if that's two and a half years from now, the above average rep, Brian, they know that they put yeah. an opportunity in their system. They're ready to compete when that opportunity, when that truly presents itself. But they also have a plan for over the next two and a half years on how they're going to be able to show or hear about weaknesses in the current solution, things they'd like to accomplish that the current solution isn't providing them. And that stuff just slowly continues to build in this document that, th that grows and grows and grows, which we'll talk a lot more about next week. But when that, when that, all that information comes to bear to that above average rep, how good is their proposal? How good does it sound to the company that it's literally their words being played back to them over and over and over? I think where this backfires, where they have to be careful. So let's say that you do take that longer term view and mindset on, on that opportunity that could be six months or a year away, where it can backfire on you is if you're just doing check meaningless check-ins. Like you have to Agreed. you have to continue to spend that 20 minutes to an hour ahead of the next meeting request to have something to bring to the table. But if you start to become stagnant, that's when you're going to start getting ghosted by the prospect. And I, I'll say my virtual teams that even in the account example that I gave you where we worked for six months and then they, the light bulb came on and we, we built millions of pipe dollars of pipeline for future years. Then, then guess who wanted to get involved? 
you know, like everybody at that point wanted to get involved. And for the first six months, I'd been asking everybody to come listen. These recurring meetings are valuable. Let's hear what the customer's saying. Let's build a rapport. And once we did, and all these people started showing up, the customers saw right through it. They wanted nothing to do with them. Mm-hmm. They didn't, you know, they they made it so painful for them to participate and, and to compete on anything we were doing. It was horrible, right? So customers are sophisticated. You can't, you can't not create the opportunity and hope to participate in that opportunity. Um, you wouldn't let it happen if you were having concrete poured in your house, and you wouldn't let it happen if you wanted a wall to be built, right? Um, I'm too busy. I'm too busy for meaningless check-ins. Like I'm not the the concrete guy. Still calls me. I'm too busy. Like, yeah. I don't. I don't want to give you an update on the project. And let me just guess, Brian. Do you still want the concrete? Yeah. Yeah. Just not from him or her. Not from him. Her. Not now. Like it's the priority has changed. Um. Yeah. And then uh, I, I'll reiterate, like why we're competing. We've we've created and we've provided our customers some insights and we've heard their pains and now we're really having a shot to compete. We can't forget about our customers. This, this seems to happen more often than not that the, the shiny new prospect that you've tried to get in forever to see finally lets you have that meeting. And then your customer calls and say, Hey, we just saw some stuff that was released. Can you come out and demo that for us? What happens, Brian? They flip it over the fence to the SE or throw it to a partner and they lose account control and they're the weak average incumbent who only cares about the new shiny red apple that is dangerous, man. It's dangerous. You got to find a way to balance. And next week when we wrap up, I'm going to kind of give you Bobby's MO for how to balance your time over over a week, uh, over a month, over a year, whatever you want to call it. It's a percentage-based thing that will help you make sure you're not spending too much time in one, one pocket that would give you the ability to become fixated on a deal or a particular customer where you burn down or lose everything that's going on around you. So don't forget the customers that did buy from you in this mindset when you have this this big one that's staring you in the face. And I would say don't forget to keep creating, whether it's in that deal that you're working on or whether it's your other 10 companies that you, you have on your list. Continue to create, create, and create and continue to be engaged all year. That's the only thing that will give you the right to compete when it comes time to compete. And if you're, um, last thing I'd add here is if you're, if you're in a like a big deal pursuit and you're chasing a you know a big refresh or something, um, the don't like as you're asking these questions and you're going deeper, don't tr- like it's the worst thing you could be doing is like being transparent about. Uh, selling your wares and like trying to expand your deal, they can absolutely see through that. Spend way, way more time uh, asking questions about where there are problems and where there, and then understand, and then even repeat back to them where there are not problems. Even if that means a smaller deal for you, um, they'll appreciate and see through that transparency uh, far more than if you're if you're just asking questions to add to the bill sell potentially. Well, we mentioned a little bit earlier, I'll expand slightly on the fact that, you know, the, the customers that are on your list that are coming off your list for whatever reason, you know, those are the ones we all forget. And they're always the ones that change hands. If you ever become a business owner or a small business owner anyway, it's so hard to get a customer. And we know that even in sales today, it's so hard to win that first deal, but it is so easy to lose a customer, right? It's like, don't, 
don't try to expand your deal so much. I saw it happen so many times at Microsoft. Well, we're just going to add this. We're just going to add mm-hmm. this. And this $75,000 deal become $300,000 a year. And the customer's like, what happened? I don't need all this software. And then it just goes kaput and they bought license only and it was over, right? Like, don't add and add and add. Solve their problem. Make it extremely valuable. Create that ROI. Forget the add-ons for a month or two or six months to a year and then continue to create in that account and grow it. You will be successful. So to wrap up this week, we talked about a creation mindset. The, The theme, create, compete, and win, is the thing we want to do. We do not want to compete, win, and then claim we created it, right? We want to know our customers' pains, but they're never going to tell us their pains. We got to provide insights. We got to be a challenger. We got to be bold, and we got to make some assumptions and have them validate and agree to the pains that we know they're probably having and be really smart about how we use that data. Whether it takes us one meeting, one month, or one year to create it or collect it all, it's going to give us the opportunity to create a big opportunity. And once we find that and we create that opportunity, we get, we're going to have the right to compete. They're going to give us a shot to compete. And we got to be better than every incumbent before us, better than every incumbent we've beat. And we have to show them that we are the right solution for them. And we got to keep creating, keep creating but don't do the add-on game. Don't forget, create, compete, and win, and don't forget your customers, and you'll be successful. Next week, we'll dive into some more things to help you continue to build a creation mindset. Anything while we wrap, Brian? I would say, like, the most basic piece of this, go back and listen to the first series we ever did. Um, Focus on the research. That's how you, that's the first step to creation. All right, as always, don't be average. Average sucks. Average is the enemy. Thanks for listening to the Tech Sales Show. Thanks, everyone. Thanks for listening to the Tech Sales Show. Subscribe to our email list at www.techsaleshow.com and follow us on Twitter and Facebook at Tech Sales Show. Until next week, average is the enemy.